0: Uh, uh, this is a, a camcorder TV production. Oh, 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 don't drop it! Don't drop it! Welcome back to Tay, or if you're new, welcome to Tay. I, I guess I should be saying, coming at you live from my. Uh, in-house studio, my workstation. This computer is on just so that you guys think that I'm actually up to something. I'm I'm not. I'm just recording this episode of Tay, which is
1: back!
0: What are we going to talk about today? Well, I thought I'd tell you a really terrible story. I call this the incredibly horrible bad day. I was actually having a really awesome day. I felt really good, it was positive. I I felt like I was gonna get a lot done and the sun was shining and it was warm and it just felt really good. I came home in the afternoon, had to let my dog out. There was a couple things that I had to do but I was pretty much gonna spend the rest of the day just relaxing and doing whatever I wanted to do. So I got my big giant drive out to do some editing on my computer. Hooked it up to my computer While I was letting the drive run, there were some house chores that I needed to take care of, so I took care of those. After I got done with that, I came back to my computer and I noticed that my drive hadn't really done anything since I plugged it up. This was concerning. So then I thought, okay, maybe the outlet's sort of out of juice, so I'll just go over to the other room and plug it in there. And I noticed that my hard drive still hasn't kicked on. And this is roughly an hour or two after I've gotten home. And I am not happy. And I'm also really hungry. I haven't eaten since earlier that day So I scrape up my drive and I decided to take it to Best Buy. Fortunately my friend Jonah. Hi, Jonah In case you're watching. He was working that day. Keep in mind. I haven't seen Jonah in years He had been vacationing in Brazil for like five years or something so you would think I had seen him in such a long time I'd walk up to him and be like, hey, buddy, how you doing? How's your mama and them? Instead, I walk up to him with desperate eyes, and I said, please, please, for the love of God, help me. And I think Jonah did the best he could, but unfortunately, my hard drive was dead. My entire life was on that thing, and it just went, <laughs> pretty rough day. Keep in mind, there was some major stuff on that hard drive, and not just stuff for my personal life, but for the website as well. But fortunately, some of the more important files that I had were backed up on other places, so I just bit the bullet for the day. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just try to relax a little bit. I'm going to go eat. I haven't eaten. So I'm driving down the road, and I'm literally thinking to myself, how could this day possibly get any worse? And at that exact moment, that's when a deer ran out in the middle of the road and went POW! I'm not 100% sure that it died right then. I'm pretty sure it died afterwards. Bambi got some major air time because my passenger side was completely covered in deer hair. And so was my grill. Or at least what was left of it. That sucked. I was still hungry, by the way. I still hadn't eaten. Fortunately for me, I had little Caesars waiting on me when I got back home. And just when you think it couldn't have gotten any worse... I got an email a few hours after I got home saying that my friend had just lost his job. So what kind of day are you having, by the way? hope that little story brightened your day somehow. I, I don't see how it could have brightened it too much because it's a pretty terrible and depressing story, but I guess if it makes you feel any better, I'm still alive. Clearly because if I wasn't, I, would, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> I was reading a daily devotional uh, earlier this week when I'm recording uh, about the title of it was called Discerning Your Calling. And the gist of the devotional from what I learned was that there is a reason why you have passion. God gives you passion. It doesn't just stop at passion. There has to be a little bit more to it. You actually have to have the ability to uh, pursue this passion and by having the ability to pursue the passion that you feel, that is to glorify God. That is supposed to glorify God. And I, that really hit home with me. And I've been thinking about my life and basically what I've been doing with Camcorder TV. And I've noticed for a long, long time that I have always had a very difficult time explaining to people what camcorder TV is. But what is camcorder TV? What is the best way to explain it? And I had a really good heart to heart with a dear friend of mine about this. And he really urged me to either write it down in a blog or make a video about it. If I had to break it all down to one simple word i believe camcorder tv is simply storytelling Uh, especially the idea of original storytelling because we here at the website strive to give you original stories original content and i know that a lot of people will sit there and tell you well all the stories out there have been told and it's just a recycling and a rehashing of old concepts. While I agree to an extent that that's true, I also would like to point out that you have guys like us that are trying to take some of these uh, old concepts, if you will, and try to tweak them a little bit and, you know, maybe freshen them up a little bit as opposed to what mainstream Hollywood's doing right now and just sort of rehashing and rebooting the same thing over and over and over again. Now, I don't mean to put all these movies down because I'll be totally honest with you when a Marvel movie comes out or maybe even a DC movie comes out and especially if any of the new giant monster movies come out I'm gonna line up and I'm gonna go see them having said all that how far is it gonna go because it just feels like everything is being rebooted and remade it's almost as if nobody is even trying to do something original except for TV of course And I feel like that that's where camcorder TV is trying to step in. Some of you aren't religious, and I'm not trying to come off preachy, but the way that I see it, I really feel like every human being born of this earth is here for a reason, a purpose. And I would really like to think that camcorder TV is my purpose. You see, this camcorder TV is so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than my story or my career, whatever fancy buzzwords you want to throw in there. I, I don't know. I really think that camcorder TV can be a movement. The way I have envisioned camcorder TV in the long run, I see us as a platform for storytellers like myself, who may not have been so lucky as some other people, and they're diamonds in the rough they they just can't catch a break I want to flood the world with new talent with new ideas with new content because I think that that's what we desperately need right now I look at the world around us and it's it's so negative and there's just so much hurt and animosity and I would like camcorder TV to do some healing to bring hope to bring joy to the world I know in a lot of ways it seems like maybe some of this is a little self-glorifying or it's very self-centered, but let me just put it to you this way. I really feel like God is working in my life and in the lives of everyone who is associated with Camcorder TV. I, I definitely think there is a reason why we have all come together. We have all collaborated with one another, and I really feel like that's the hand of God moving. Right now, I'm making an effort day by day to put my faith in him and to give glory to him in everything we do and every bit of success that Camcorder TV has because that's what it's all about. So the success of Camcorder TV really has nothing to do with me or my story. It is all to reveal God's glory to the world. That's what it's all about. If you don't mind, uh, I've got another uh, really cool charitable cause down in the uh, show notes page. Uh, my good friend, Zach Coulter, is basically trying to open up his own business, or buy out a business so that he can own said business. Uh, if you can, uh, pitch in a few bucks to help help the guy out. I would love to help him achieve his dreams in any way I can, and uh, I think we should all be about that, you know, because so, I'm definitely about making my dreams come true. So, you know what I'm saying, just... Do good for people, okay? And the, the link below, that's a really good way to do good for people. So, uh, everybody love everybody. Tonight's subject, politics. It's a really dirty nasty, filthy game to get in. Show-wise, I I never really wanted to get into it. Uh, I've hinted at it a few times in the past, but uh, not something I really wanted to spend a whole lot of time on because it was so dirty and filthy and gross. So, I outsourced it to two of my friends to do it for me. So, one half of the new political talk show, Common Ground, with Colin and Brayden. We have Colin here with us tonight. Colin, how are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing well, Taylor. How about yourself?
0: I, You know, I can't complain. I'll probably look for a reason to anyway. Nobody will listen to me, but that's uh, that's okay.
1: I'll listen. If it makes you <laughs> feel any better, I will listen.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Uh, you will and uh, our audience here. So, I know the answer to the question I'm about to ask you, but what what can you tell me or tell us about Common Ground with Colin and Braden.
1: So Common Ground is obviously very new to the Camcorder TV network, and it's something that, as Taylor mentioned, really hasn't been done before. It's essentially a podcast where we are taking two completely opposite ends of the political spectrum, putting us together and talking about the issues that face America that nobody really wants to talk about, and seeing where we find Common Ground. We have, on my end, a minarchist libertarian, who is all about freedom, the free market, the rights of the individual, and individual freedom. And I'm coming from the completely opposite spectrum of my co-host, Braden, who is a Democratic Socialist. And essentially what we're trying to do with this show is really encourage peaceful political discourse. Let's bring together that don't necessarily have the same ideals, but have a lot of the same goals, such as reducing corruption in the government. And let's encourage discussion and debate instead of the pissing matches that political discussions normally turn into.
0: That's right. We we don't have to kill each other, is what is basically what we're saying. And,
1: and we're trying to encourage everyone else that you don't have to kill people that don't agree with you.
0: Exactly. I mean, even in the recording, I mean, Braden and Colin, they stay really civil and they don't kill each other, even though I would say that... Uh, You know, it probably doesn't hurt the fact that Brayden lives in another state. (laughs) But, uh, so uh, I gotta, I gotta ask you what, um, what excites you the most about the journey
1: we're about to go on? It's, Just the idea of really challenging my own political philosophy, hearing from a completely different viewpoint that I normally would not hear, normally would not surround myself. You know, normally, if you get two people in a room that are totally opposite ends of the political spectrum, the last thing they are going to talk about is politics. If they don't really know each other, the last thing they're going to talk about is politics. And that's something that I'm excited to discuss, to say the least, is just to get viewpoints besides my own. You know, one of my core beliefs is that one of the best ways to strengthen your own political philosophy is to question it. And that doesn't just apply to politics, that applies to your everyday life philosophy. Sure, sure.
0: Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about your stance, because uh, we've actually had a Libertarian podcast host... Ante, a little over a year ago, a guy named Mark Clare, who's the host of the Lions of Liberty podcast. So how did you arrive at being what you just said, a, a minarchist libertarian? And why do you make that distinction? Why is it a, Why are you a minarchist?
1: The reason I make the distinction as myself identifying as a minarchist is because in, within libertarianism, there are two what I would call the primary sects of libertarianism. One of them are the minarchists, which our belief is essentially that the most natural form of government is what's called the night watchman state, essentially minimizing the forms of government, and that is how we reduce corruption. And then the other side of libertarianism, what I would say the main secondary side, would be the anarcho-capitalist, which are essentially the opposite. We can function without a government. When you look throughout history, there are some instances of anarchist societies actually functioning. You know, we look at Ireland during a certain time period. At one point, Tom Woods discussed that, I believe, that they were actually anarchist. Mm -hmm. And that did work for them. However, what minarchists believe is that it's natural for humans to want to form a government. So by minimalizing the role of the government into what we refer to as the night watchman state, that's the best way possible to reduce corruption. Mm -hmm. And that, how I really came into libertarianism, so I know that I'm not the only one talking to, that the last presidential election... Um, I didn't feel like I really had anywhere to go. You know, for a long time, I struggled to find a political ideology. I really didn't find that I fell into either division. And of course, last election, libertarianism really came into the spotlight a lot more with Gary Johnson, both Mm -hmm. good and bad spotlights on him. You know, needless to say, I will come out and say, of course, I did vote for Johnson. Mm -hmm. And that's really what drew me to libertarianism is just when I heard that there was a third party running that was actually getting attention on national TV, that's really the first, it's the first time in a long time that's happened. And where that drew me more into when I started researching it, I'm like, hey, I finally found a political philosophy that actually fits me and, you know, I feel like embodies me. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's, uh, it's interesting that you bring up uh, Gary Johnson because I, I think a lot of people who may not be as well-versed in uh, ide- philosophy, ideologies, political discourse as a whole— uh, a lot of them, conf- a lot of people conflate libertarianism with centrism, moder, you know, being a moderate. And, and I know that Gary Johnson and Bill Weld sort of did a really, uh, shall we say, poor job of making that distinction that a libertarian is not, in fact, a, a centrist. Because uh, I know that was uh, that was brought up on uh, the uh, interview that I had with Mark Clare.
1: You know, I would certainly agree with that statement. However, what I would say is, Gary made some serious milestones not only for the Libertarian Party but for any third party throughout America's political history. He got serious national attention. Granted, he did screw that up more, more than a few times. Although I will say, in all fairness, you can't bomb Aleppo if you don't know where it is. <laughs> well, that that is a that is a good point. But let me play devil's advocate real
0: quick. So. Yes, we can agree that Gary Johnson did some pretty big things for the Libertarian Party uh, in the 2016 presidential election cycle, but would you say that the milestones that he made in a certain way aren't detrimental to the Libertarian Party? Uh, I mean that from a, a philosophical standpoint, because now you run into the fear of this notion that some of the people that may maybe they stick around and vote libertarian a, another time around in the next 4 years you know maybe they stick around for the wrong reasons they're under the impression that the libertarian party is the centrist party the moderate party you know the whole moniker of physical, fiscally conservative socially liberal which they
1: later changed to be socially inclusive and socially, we don't give a damn is the more common Johnson phrase that I've heard from that.
0: Okay, yeah, that one. Yeah.
1: And that's personally a phrase that I really don't agree with and I really don't think represents libertarians as a whole myself. Mm. I've begun getting involved locally with the Rutherford County Libertarian Party, and you know, so many of the people I've met that identify as libertarian are some of the most caring, some of the most compassionate people that you will meet. You know, Alex Merced on Facebook is one of the perfect examples of this and that he's extremely compassionate to anyone, no matter what their background is, no matter what their political belief is, their sexuality, any of that. He's extremely compassionate. Uh, can, you, can you explain who uh, Alex Merced is? So Alex Merced has kind of come to the rise. He is Hispanic American. He's kind of come to the rise as more the minority sect of libertarianism, very similar in that aspect to Larry Sharp. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of come to the rise as one of the more... I'm not, he's definitely not one of the official leaders of the Libertarian Party with a capital L and a capital P, but he's become kind of a central focal point for a lot of people who are just beginning to understand and just getting into libertarianism. Mm-hmm. You know, he's brought a lot of resources, like for instance, an entire free library of eBooks that are related to libertarianism, studies on such as Bastiat's The Law, Ron Paul's The Revolution, that kind of thing. And it's an awesome milestone. But it's that's the kind of compassion that I like to see. You know, we're often the ones that are out there doing nonprofit work. We are the ones that are donating, donating our time, donating our resources to help other people. So socially, we do give a damn. What we don't give a damn about is what you, you know, if you decide to sit on your back porch and light up a joint, I don't think that should be illegal. I, that has no direct effect on me. Why should I give a damn about you doing that? Right.
0: And uh, another thing I want to hit on. So you, you've kind of let the cat out of the bag about getting more involved with the Rutherford County Libertarian Party. So I guess by that token, you would, in addition to being a little L libertarian, you would also say that you are a big L libertarian.
1: I would say that I'm becoming a big L You're libertarian. You know, I've L gone to a couple of meetings. I'm definitely interested in getting more active locally. That's something I'm actively striving mm-hmm. to do. And it's something that so far I've really enjoyed. I've met some really great people from that, and I'm grateful for the experience.
0: The reason I ask is, um, you know, again, go, kind of going back to Gary Johnson and, you know, the impression that I got was overall for this election, uh, there were a lot of people who, like you said, kind of didn't really know where to go. They didn't really like Donald Trump, they really didn't like Hillary Clinton. I mean, so, I'd
1: certainly agree with that. Half of the country didn't even vote because they didn't know where to go.
0: Right they didn't they didn't they didn't know what to do. And some people, because automatically, if, if I'm not mistaken, if memory serves, when the not when the nominees basically came out when it was set in stone that trump was going to be the gop guy and hillary clinton was going to be the democrat gal that gary johnson basically rose in the polls some polls had him up right up into 15 percent territory which was which is the percentage that you have to have in order to get into the national debates um and then once it seems like once Johnson got this exposure and once he actually did get the libertarian party nomination he just kind of dropped the ball and
1: (laughs) he really did you know I feel like there were several things that he dropped the ball on I feel Mm -hmm. like he in certain aspects he could have done so much better Right. Uh, and I feel like especially in really conveying the message of libertarianism and what libertarianism as a whole means. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that you had during the election, which I don't particularly understand this, is a bunch of Bernie voters jump ship instead of voting for Hillary Clinton, they voted for Johnson, which I really don't understand, being that yeah, Bernie but, Sanders is kind of the opposite of Gary Johnson. Granted, again, similar he claims similar goals, such as reducing corruption, etc. I don't know how much of that I believe. but
0: Okay, but I mean, how much of that would you say... I mean, you could probably make a, an argument that, that that had very little to do with principle.
1: You know? Right, I would agree that that had very little to do with principle. That was kind of the big middle finger mm-hmm. to the Democratic Party. Right. And that, hey, you just basically stole the nomination from Bernie mm-hmm. and I hate the, the fact that I'm saying that but they did. They pretty much stole the nomination from Bernie and they elected the Mother Reptilian to be their <laughs> representative. <laughs> Which we mentioned
0: in the uh, promo. Where I'm getting at with that because uh, I, I don't want to spend way too much time on Gary Johnson because I feel like I've already talked a lot about him. To me, it's also partly it, it's a it's a small factor in a otherwise bigger systemic problem that I think that the National Libertarian Party has, it just seems like they're it seems like the party as a whole has has problems we like certainly that, do that and that's one of the problems.
1: reasons I've been hesitant so long to become involved mm-hmm. with the big L libertarians is because there is a lot of problems with the party, there's a lot of infighting, you know a perfect example recently of this is Arvin Vorha believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly I,
0: I think that's about right
1: I don't know what to call it, outburst talking about how soldiers are murderers, and that's something that I really want to convey, is not everyone agrees with him. He did come out and say that publicly. He got so much backlash. There are so many petitions out there calling for, basically, him to step down from his position. You know, Larry Sharp, which is one of the, again, the kind of the pillars of the Libertarian Party, really doing a lot to draw in people, basically condemned him for it and said, hey, I'm a vet myself, and I am no murderer. Mm-hmm. And right. that's something that I do not personally agree with at all. His, again, outburst to me was childish in a way, and it was really unwarranted. And just I'm still having trouble understanding why he did that. For um for for the political novices
0: out there, uh, what do you think is the cause of the infighting in the Libertarian Party? And do you think that it's really hampering them from making any? any more major milestones in the, in the
1: in the american electorate i would say that it is hampering us to a degree however we are still making a lot of difference and it may not be on a national scale however on a smaller scale we are making a lot of difference in our own counties you know a lot of the libertarians of rutherford counties are the ones that got our sheriff robert arnold ousted they were a big part of that movement to get him removed for being and, a corrupt
0: <laughs> and and uh for some of our audience members aren't uh, don't live in uh, Rutherford County Tennessee, so kind of explain to us the what happened with uh, Sheriff Robert Arnold.
1: So essentially, Robert Arnold was the sheriff for a long time, and was using a company owned by his wife to sell e-cigarettes to inmates in his jails.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which I know I'm not the only one that sees a massive conflict of interest with that. Oh, for sure, <laughs> and that he's actually sitting in a prison cell right now.
0: Yeah, that's that's uh, kind of one. Of, it's one of those funny ironies, but. uh what were we the, talking about? We were talking about the, uh, oh the, the, the infighting, of the libertarian party. The
1: infighting, yes. What causes that? Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So, so, so to you, what 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 is that?
1: Right. Um. So that is definitely an issue I want to address. And you know, there's a joke about libertarians. Two libertarians walk into a bar. There's only two things that they walk out agreeing on. Number one, taxation is theft, which it of course is. Number two, one of them is not a real libertarian. <laughs> and. You know, unfortunately, that's a very common joke. That's a very popular joke. I myself have met several people that have told me that I'm not a real libertarian. And that's something that's really unfortunate. You know, and that's one of, the, one of the reasons I'm really drawn to the likes of Alex Merced and Larry Sharp is they really are basically saying, put aside that whole thing. Put aside that somebody isn't 100% by the books a party libertarian and embrace the fact that they themselves are embracing the ideas of liberty and individual freedom. You know, look aside certain things. We don't all have to agree 100%. To unite and to cause change.
0: Hitting on that, there, there's a few things I want to get into. Number one, so for you, the, the whole taxation is theft. That's not just some really cool uh, hashtag or internet meme thing that's going around. Like this is something that you actually, something that you actually embrace, um,
1: yes, obviously, I don't believe in taxation. Being a libertarian, I don't believe that anyone's ideas should be enforced on anyone. And in America, it is pretty much impossible to avoid paying taxes. Mm-hmm. It's you know, a fine example of this. Henry David Thoreau, one of the people that has influenced me quite a lot. And he encouraged the concept of civil disobedience, something that was also used by Mohandas Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr. And to me, is an excellent idea. But he was thrown in prison for not paying his taxes. Sure. And that's, you know, in the modern sense, you are not going to get out of paying taxes. If you do, you are going to jail. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. For sure. Um, And that's, you know, I've had arguments come at me. Oh, well, taxes are voluntary. Please tell me when I agreed to pay taxes. Because, okay, let's say, for instance, yes, I did sign a tax form. I'm legally required to sign that to be able to work for an employer. Okay, so I go get a cash-only job. (laughs) Well, If I'm caught... I'm getting arrested for it, most likely, as my employer is going to get shut down, if not fined, several thousand dollars and arrested. And, you know, the idea that I consented to taxation, please tell me where I did, because believe me, enough of my income is taken. I would like nothing more than to not pay taxes. But again, what happens if I don't? What happens if I say, oh, I'm just not going to consent. I'm not going to pay my taxes. I'm going to get thrown in jail.
0: But, okay, but as a minarchist libertarian, you don't exactly believe that we can completely do away with taxation, do you? Or do you...
1: Not to a degree, yes. That's a long-term goal. In the short term, no. Realistically, we can't in the short term. Sure. However, what we can do is we can reduce taxation as much as possible, reduce the amount of our money that is wasted by corrupt politicians that lines their pockets. That's what our goal is overall, and I think that's something that, you know, I don't speak for all libertarians, obviously, but I think that's something that we can unite behind, you know... realistically, right now, if we were to set up tomorrow, a revolution happens, we have an entire libertarian government, right, immediately, we could not totally destroy taxes. We couldn't bring down the tax code. However, we can completely rewrite the tax code. We can minimize taxes where possible. Later on down the road, yes, let's get rid of taxation. However, right now, so much of that money, you know, especially on a local level, goes to, again, the pockets of corrupt politicians, the case we just discussed with Robert Arnold. So much, and it's not an isolated event, that's something we see all over the country.
0: Going back to what you said earlier about uh, the, the analogy you made about two libertarians walking into the bar and the only thing that them agreeing on is that taxation is theft and that the other one isn't a real libertarian, I, I sort of asked Mark Claire this same question. To you, well, really, I, I asked it a different way. To you, is there a criteria for not being a real libertarian?
1: Well... The problem you run into with trying to define a quote-unquote real libertarian is that that, that is one individual's mm-hmm. definition of a real libertarian. If you want to get technical, go look at the party's official stances, which I myself well, sure. found that I don't 100% align with them. Then again, find me a conservative or find me a Democrat that 100% aligns with their elected leaders and aligns with the party ideas. Well, sure,
0: but I, what, what I mean is like if, if you had to sell somebody on libertarianism in a, in a quick, you know— for lack of a better term, elevator pitch. Like To you, what is, what is the core of it all that's, that, tr- that separates you from being a conservative or being a, a liberal or progressive?
1: Basically, that we are the defenders of the individual, which we believe, as Ayn Rand said, the smallest minority is the individual. Core to my beliefs is that you cannot claim to be a defender of the minority if you do not support the rights of the individual. And that's where we really come into play. You know, yeah, the Republicans say they value individual rights. Well, their votes have made it clear that they don't. And that's one of the issues that I have and one of the reasons that I never really aligned myself with the quote-unquote conservatives. And that's where libertarianism really stands out. It's, again, the rights of the individual. And also the the non-aggression principle is core to our beliefs. It is not pacifism. However, it is similar to pacifism. Essentially what it says is that if you attack me, I'm going to respond with equal force and I'm going to overcome that attack. However, I am not going out of my way to bring harm to others unless... As previously stated, they attacked. Mm -hmm. You know, let's say, for instance, I think 98% of libertarians could agree on this, that the wars that we are engaged in, quote-unquote war, Congress never officially declared war, they have it since World War II, it's not legally a war, Mm -hmm. in the Middle East are pointless waste of lives on both sides, not only of our brave men and women that are fighting, but also the innocent people that are dying in those wars. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's where the non-aggression principle comes into play. And essentially, you know, we take... And a lot of people would compare us to the Swiss or, let's say, World War II era Sweden and Finland in that they didn't involve themselves in World War II. Basically, what the Swiss did was line up on their borders, the... Arguably the reason that Hitler didn't invade Switzerland is because mountain passes with a bunch of trained riflemen sitting at the top of them spells death for just about any army. And essentially that is a libertarian approach is we arm ourselves, we encourage people to defend themselves, not be relying on forces such as a police force, but learn to defend yourself. And if the time comes, if we need it, we are willing to fight to defend ourselves. Whether that be threat from an outside invader, whether that be a domestic threat, we are willing to fight and we are willing to defend ourselves. And that's something that we really stress
0: That's a really good segue, by the way, because I I really want to talk to you about history, because you and I are uh, both—I'd say we're pretty big history buffs, Mm -hmm. right? I would agree. So, um, you know, this election kind of got me—the 2016 presidential election, it kind of got me thinking just how overall—from what I understand about American history, this is probably the weirdest election
1: we've ever had— I'm not going to disagree with that statement. This is probably the weirdest election that we've well, ever had.
0: It's so weird
1: because I feel like
0: so many political philosophies have just sort of been flipped upside down, turned inside out, and it's like it's like shaking a martini. And, and now you've got this really weird—I'm going from one analogy to another somehow. This is really strange— Stranger than the election, by the way. Like, you've got this really weird picture. You know, you, you've got this uh, alt right, which is really, I mean, let's be honest here. It's mostly made up of the old conservatives that voted for, say, George W. Bush or John McCain, you know, in the last few election cycles. But they're just sick and tired of Washington establishment guys, and they, they just think that Donald Trump is something really different. Uh, and it's also made up of some libertarians. Uh, and let's
1: not forget the side of the alt right that is a bunch of larping wannabe Nazis that think they're going to beat the crap out of some
0: yeah state. the the Richard Spencers of the world. And uh, and let's not
1: forget Alex Jones in that. And
0: bit. Alex Jones, who you know, for the longest time, I mean, granted, he's a notorious conspiracy theorist, but f- I believe that for a while he was calling himself a libertarian. Uh, I know. I, I would
1: argue in that statement that just because somebody calls themselves a libertarian right, doesn't but, mean that they are a libertarian. But nonetheless, some, he did. Call just because
0: limit. somebody says they are a libertarian does not mean that libertarians will actually claim them. Right, and that applies <laughs> to any political
1: philosophy, just not my own. I, I wouldn't say that I'd be ashamed to claim Alex Jones. I mean, the man is a—he is comedic. Sometimes <laughs> that not he on is purpose. Over the top, ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the man did blame for getting his children's birthdays in a courtroom on eating a bowl of chili. <laughs> and let's not forget that, according to him, the government put chemicals in the water that turned the freaking Frog, frogs, frogs game. game. <laughs>
0: that's Do you favorite. understand that? <laughs> I don't understand that, but that's... Oh, God. That's that's hilarious. I could go on and on about it. I think Jones we need <laughs> to get
1: off the topic because my Alex Jones impersonation may come out, and that is not something I think the All world right. is ready to see.
0: <laughs> Let, let's avoid that for... At least for, for for five minutes. But, okay, so hitting back on what I'm saying, you know, you've got this really weird, you know, hodgepodge, you know, of the alt-right. And then sort of on the left, it, it looks like from from an outsider's perspective that the, the Democrats, as, as splintered as you can say that the Republican Party is— the Democrats are way worse.
1: They are and I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters because let's be honest they did steal the nomination from Bernie. If Bernie would have been the nominee, he probably would have won the election.
0: You really think so? I
1: Of course we can't say for sure, you know, no, obviously you, you obviously can't. all bets were on Hillary winning the election and oh, that sure. didn't happen. That went the complete opposite of what all the bets said.
0: I think that's part of the problem though. Like everybody had been calling Hillary Clinton to win the election Probably since 2012.
1: Basically, and they called it up until the last minute.
0: Sure, sure. They had had expected her to win the election. And and also, I think people were expecting another Clinton versus Bush. I think everybody was thinking that Jeb Bush was probably going to get the Republican nomination. Or a Jeb Bush-like Jebolution 2020. Yeah, Jebolution
1: 2020. Please clap. (laughs) Please clap.
0: You know what? Oh, God. My favorite... Jeb Bush moment in the 2016 primary was when he got kicked out of the Rotary Club in Florida. (laughs) I think it was Florida. I I don't know. But yeah, he, oh gosh, it's hilarious. He, He just gets up there. He's making a speech and I don't even think he's, even remotely close to wrapping it up. He's like midway through the speech and literally the president of the Rotary Club comes up to him and whispers in his ear, I'm sorry, sir, but your time is up. You're going to need to sit back down. And just, he is just absolutely livid. And he just looks over at his campaign manager. He's like, are, are you serious? With that? They're kicking me off. <laughs> they're kicking me off and he just he goes over to the table and just sits down and pouts like a five year old child
1: I mean I'm pretty sure that's how he spent his entire childhood was just pouting while his brother did better than him probably but the poor man
0: I kind of felt bad for the guy (laughs) like you've hit a whole new low
1: when the rotary club
0: doesn't want to hear you speak know it's true.
1: <laughs> yes, we do know that's true.
0: But you know, I do remember that that for the longest time that was the most predicted outcome that it was going to be Hillary versus Jeb. And you know, I, I guess some of the Fox News pundits probably thought that you know Jeb might you know pull out or. It, you, but you know, a lot of people I think were were saying that Hillary was going to win the whole thing. I think people got tired of of. People calling, you know, saying that Hillary was going to win, and she, you know, it's just like, okay, all right, and let's just let's just get this over with. And you know,
1: and one of the things that I think is funny, speaking of Hillary, is that you know, despite the activist that she claimed to be during the election, where is she now? I mean, I'm assuming yeah. that she just went back to the reptilian mothership, and that's where she's stayed so far. Well, but she's really been out of the news. You know, she hasn't been make, she hasn't been really appearing as an as the activist that she claims to be. She's not really doing anything at this point.
0: No, but Other than I,
1: sucking the life out of Bill Clinton.
0: Well, there was a news story that somebody uh, met her on a hiking trail like a week after the election or something, and it was just a really humbling moment or something like that. and I think there was one headline—I I didn't read the article, but there was one headline that I saw on my phone where there, the question was— has anybody asked what Hillary Clinton thinks about Trump's uh, cabinet picks? It's like, well, probably not because she lost the election. I don't remember anybody calling Mitt Romney to ask him what he thought about uh, Obama's uh, cabinet picks in his second administration. So <laughs> I don't see how th- how that has any relevance <laughs> to uh, to to what's going on. But you know, I bring all that up because I just. I Don't know it, it, it's like politics Is we're, we're living in really Interesting times um, I think because I think Politics in America is really shifting And it's almost To me it's almost Like the uh, the 60s because it, You know in the 60s you kind of had this Really weird shift where You know before then you had your More traditional conservatives you had the Barry At the Barry Gold I almost said Barry Atwater barry atwater was a uh, actor back in the 70s barry goldwater uh you had your barry goldwaters your robert tafts your russell kirks who were who were these who were really basically if they were alive today they would probably be considered libertarians uh small small government minded folk uh very fiscally conservative with the exception of goldwater uh kind of you know, foreign policy-wise, sort of dovish. That they, they didn't really believe believe in foreign entanglements. Matter of fact, I think Robert Taft, uh, who was a United States senator and son of uh, President William Howard Taft, um, I think he was opposed to the Korean War and. He was, he was opposed to us getting involved in NATO, the United Nations, and he was against the Nuremberg Trials, too.
1: Which that's, even if he wouldn't be a libertarian by modern standards, that's something where we could certainly find a lot of common ground with an individual like that. Well, sure. you know, there's a lot of conservatives, like, for instance, you take one of the common names for Rand Paul, the common nickname is a quote-unquote conservatarian. And that's where I feel like someone like that would fall into that category where we can certainly find a lot of ground with them and that we have a lot of the same goals. And again, minimizing the role of government, minimizing government intrusion into our lives.
0: But do you think it's, do you, do you think it's a little scary that, you know, back in the 50s, you had these more traditional conservatives who were kind of more or less, um, you know, I guess precursors to modern libertarians in a lot of ways. And then you had that shift in the 60s where uh, the quote-unquote conservative movement sort of went into the neocon direction, you know, kind of, you know, bigger government, more foreign interventions in different places. Uh, A lot of neocons were pro-Vietnam during the 60s and 70s. Um, And that really, the traditional conservatives sort of just they sort of dwindled a little bit after that, I felt like. And then there was kind of a resurgence back in the 90s with Pat Buchanan, but that lasted for, what, maybe five, ten minutes? And then, I mean, Ross Perot kind of helped that, too. Um, But, you know, nobody hardly calls themselves a a paleocon, which is also what a traditional conservative really is. So, you know, do you think that this weird shift that we're seeing... You know, do you think it may help the liberty movement, or do you think it's going to hurt it?
1: I would agree with that overall, to say the least. The there's some strange winds coming in in the what I would call quote unquote the new wave of, of American politics, and it really it's just it's strange to, to say the least. And granted, when we look at the history of American politics. Politics is always shifting in terms of majorities. Sure. It will shift, and likely that will change. How soon? It's impossible to say, but likely that will change back to a Democratic majority at some point.
0: So, for the liberty movement, uh, in, in your estimation, do you think that the best course of action to take would be to basically do a Ron Paul thing and just sort of infiltrate a major party, particularly like the Republican Party? Because it seems that the Republican Party is a little bit—granted, <laughs> I'm using this term very liberally here—it seems that the Republican Party is a little bit more sympathetic to libertarians coming into the party than, say, the the Democratic Party.
1: Oh, certainly. No doubt Um, about that. And, you know, we have seen this on several levels of the federal government. Obviously, Ron Paul's son, Rand Paul, has been doing that for years. mm -hmm. Now, granted, some libertarians would argue that he isn't a libertarian. However, in general, he has kind of become the... May the Republican Party figurehead of the Liberty Movement, you know what, the, the Freedom Caucus, you do have, especially Justin Amash and Thomas Massey have also kind of risen through the call. One of the things that I really liked on Thomas Massey's part was on the congressional shooting that happened earlier this month. Um, I believe it was Scalise that essentially called for, oh, well, congressmen should be able to carry, conceal carry as in carry of handguns in D.C. for personal protection. And what Massey did was look at it and say, you know what, screw that. Anyone that's got a carry permit in their home state should be able to carry in D.C. And that's one of the things that I really like about Massey is so far the bills that he has pushed, you know, he was also one of the, he stands with Rand Paul in voting against the Trump Care, Obamacare mashup, whatever you want to call it. You know, which is interesting enough, Trump has actually said that he was going to work very hard to get Rand Paul's vote on it. Yeah, Because that is one thing I do... Respect Rand for just being steadfast in his mm-hmm. stand against the Trump care.
0: Okay, so uh, just a couple more questions uh, so uh, we can sort of wrap up for the evening. So, your prognosis for the liberty movement is if we can get our act together we can really affect some positive change.
1: Especially on the local level. You know, for the long time, the liberty movement has really been a grassroots movement. And that myself getting more involved on the local level, that's really what I've noticed is, you know, we've got people right now trying to get into these smaller offices. You know, one thing that's interesting to me, which I don't think that he's announced what he plans to do yet, but Austin Peterson was talking about running as a Republican to basically do what you talked about earlier, the Rand Paul example of infiltrating the Republican Party. Which that's certainly something I could... I'm kind of conflicted on that. I can't get behind him for wanting to do that because obviously it's going to be a lot more mainstream if he chooses to do that. However, it's an interesting course of action regardless of what way he goes I am going to support him because whether or not somebody identifies as a conservative whether or not they identify as a libertarian if they have an idea that I like I can get behind that and if I agree with their overarching view on policy I can get behind them and try to get them into power but back to what I was saying the liberty movement has for long been a grassroots movement You know, I really do think if we get our act together we can start making a difference we can start making more of a difference than we already are
0: okay Uh, one more question for you uh, again, the the history buff in me, I have to ask this. Who's your favorite president? Out of all 45 of, that we've had. Or, or I'll tell you what, if you can't give me your favorite, give me your least favorite and why. Or do you have an answer for both?
1: That is an extremely tough question.
0: Okay. Well, why, why is that an extremely tough question?
1: There's a number of reasons that that is an extremely tough question. You know, the libertarian... <laughs> in me really wants to chomp at the bit and say that by far the worst president that America has ever had was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I know I would get a lot of flack for making yeah, that that's statement.
0: Yeah, uh, that's not a very popular thing to say. Okay, And that's
1: kind of why I like saying that. It's exactly sure. because it's not a popular... It does spark a lot of debate. However, I'm not going to say that he is without a doubt my least favorite president, but he is definitely on up there with them. And as far as my favorite president goes, I it's... Hard to say because pretty much every president within American history has had something wrong with them or something that I don't agree with.
0: You think that might be just a little unfair, though? Because think about it this way. Every president that we have had has not been God. So, therefore, the president has been a man and man is imperfect.
1: Right, and I would definitely agree with that statement.
0: Given that every president that we have had has not been perfect— you know, who, who in your mind do you think is, was the closest to, the closest to perfect, I guess?
1: Again, that's an extremely. Difficult question to answer a lot of libertarianism does line up with what is called the classical liberal ideology okay. Which is a, what a lot of your found founding fathers embraced mm-hmm. You know one thing I am myself is what's called a deist Which is what a lot of the founding fathers were like for instance Thomas Jefferson's a fine mm-hmm. example there
0: So like you you believe in, in in God, but you don't necessarily Subscribe to any particular any particular religion. ideology, mm-hmm.
1: you know we basically look at it and say hey th- any of them could be right I'm not going to disagree that mm-hmm. it's entirely possible. Possible. I'm not going to say for sure that I believe this, but yes, I do believe there's a, definitely something a God. out there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there has been so many times in my life where science can't explain certain things, and mm. just certain situations really couldn't be explained. But we don't want to get into religion. I don't think, at least on this episode of the show, and you know, and to where a lot of the founding fathers, I really, of course, like for instance, you look at Thomas Jefferson. He was a slave owner. Obviously, that's something that I highly, highly disagree with. Calling another person property is just a Damn. horrible thing to do on any stand. Well, sure,
0: I and, and I I do agree with that. But the, the the weird irony about that is, I think Thomas Jefferson would agree with you there because, right. well, because I mean, if you, if you think about it in in the context, and granted, what I'm about to say does not make the situation that much better, but, you know, there were laws on the books in Virginia uh, that made it very difficult for a slaveholder to give his slaves their freedom, and in addition to that if Jefferson did give freedom to his slaves, most of his assets, most of his wealth was tied into assets and one of the biggest assets that he had was slaves. Right. So he kind of shot himself in the foot by putting himself in this really weird and difficult predicament in which, you know, on one hand, yes, he's he's violating his internal code, but at the same point, if I turn these slaves over, I'm broke. Right, and you can't have the third president of the United States broke
1: (laughs) no from what I understand and obviously I wasn't there I can't confirm whether or not that's true Mm -hmm. but from what I understand Jefferson actually treated his slaves like people he actually treated them fairly well I would probably say that one of my favorite presidents was Washington yeah. And which that's, you know, kind of the stereotypical So One of the reasons that I like him is he really didn't want to be the president. And and it's not only that, but he was obviously the figurehead of the revolution. He was what really brought Americans together to help fight the British.
0: Sure, sure. And he, and he, I will say that Washington was probably one of the more, probably the most respected man of his time.
1: And not only that, but apparently the man had a damn good whiskey recipe in it as well.
0: Yeah, whiskey. I mean, he, he grew hemp.
1: He did grow he, hemp. The he, Declaration he, of Independence was actually <laughs> written on hemp, which that's another, another discussion for another time. Sure, another. Uh, not to mention that that man did have a massive set of cojones from crossing the Delaware in freezing cold water. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah.
0: So you know, I guess you could say he was a pretty smart uh, military leader as well. Right.
1: So obviously, I, he was a brilliant strategist.
0: Yeah, I, I heard a podcast recently about that show Turn.
1: I have not actually watched it yet. Well, I've been I, meaning to watch. That. I
0: haven't either. But the guy hosting the podcast watches the show, and he was basically describing the um, the portrayal of George Washington. And I got to tell you, if 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 what he said was which I'm sure what he said was true that you know they portray Washington as basically this this bumbling buffoon who just who was sort of really easily manipulated by like his wife and other people around him and that he was impulsive and that he was angry it's, it's like that I think I, I don't think you've got your I'd like I, to see your source material on that which one.
1: granted I don't look to Hollywood for an active no for no, a I don't think portrayals any, any hero throughout history nonetheless sure sure but I mean it's still to me it's kind of a shame when somebody does that when they take yeah. a show like that that has the potential to be so good and just kind of ruin it by really giving us an inaccurate historical representation.
0: Right, because, I mean, by most accounts, I mean, even if you disagree with some of the policies that Washington may have enacted in, in his tenure, which, from what I understand, a lot of libertarians take issue with some of the things that he did. Like right, Washington and we rebellion. certainly will. But
1: again, I will take issue with almost any president. Certain policies, certain aspects of their term, I will take issue but, with. But you
0: got to admit, like, Washington had a lot of intestinal fortitude, and he was a great— a great role model for the most. Well, I mean, you for know, the was, most part, obviously, for, and obviously, you know, part. in
1: a way, he was kind of the great uniter again. That he sure. really brought a lot of the American army together. Well, Colin, uh, I really appreciate you coming on
0: to the show, and uh, you know, to make this fair, uh, at some point, I'm going to have to have Braden on so that he can maybe do some rebuttals or at least make his case. Uh, for social democratism, and I know that you guys are telling me that that's right. It just doesn't sound right. No, it does not. <laughs> I will completely agree <laughs> that it does not. But I'll I'll take uh, I'll, I'll take Braden's word for it. But you know what? Even better yet, um, rather than hear Braden come on to the Tay Show, which I mean you ought to, because I'm sure it'll be freaking awesome. Uh, listen to Common Ground with Colin and Braden, which is making its premiere. Uh, when this episode is released, it will be premiering tomorrow, June the 30th, on Friday. So subscribe to it on iTunes if you haven't already.
1: Make sure you check us out on Facebook. Our Facebook page is Common Ground with Colin and Brayden.
0: Thank you for plugging that because I was worried I was going to either forget or get tongue-tied on all that. So No problem. You're a heck of a salesman, my friend.
1: I try to be. That is my profession, after all. <laughs>
0: All right, but yeah, please, be sure to check out this show. It's going to be awesome. I think think we're going to start a revolution. Not a violent one, just a A peaceful revolution. a, A peaceful, thoughtful revolution. A meaningful revolution. So, haven't had one of those in a while. So, Colin, thanks again.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And thanks for playing along, guys. I'll see you around. This has been a Camcorder TV production. Thank God you didn't break it.